I thought it would be interesting to examine a period of time that perhaps Jerry only would rather forget. Uh, Doyle probably too. All of them would probably rather forget. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, uh, the, 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 there was a, a period of about 11 years uh, without any activity in any sort of Misfits capacity, whether it be the 95 Misfits or the original Misfits or the Jerry Fits or the OG Fits or the 77 to 83 Fits. It was... It was a no man's land. It was a, a wild, wild west of <laughs> punk rock. Yeah, but in general, when I think of, I feel like punk rock, like punk rock has never stopped existing. But, you know, I feel like after what, like 85, maybe 86, all the way up to maybe like the 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 pop punk, you know, third third wave revival of punk along with the third ska revival you know the 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 epitaph you know fat records 90s punk renaissance that kind of really owes its due to the to the descendants who kind of pioneered that sound in the 80s uh what's going on rue how are you i can actually see a comment for once uh, and it's during this time in history, in, in music history, you know, we've talked about some of the other things that are happening, the tape trading, Metallica's covering the Misfits. Um, people are starting to see that skull. The, the, the skull is popping up everywhere, right? Um, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry and uh, Doyle, well, I guess we'll go into that a little bit. And then we're going to do Little Fiend right after this. So Jerry and... Uh, uh, Doyle or, you know, working for their dad. I'm sure they, their, their, their music ambitions still exist. Jerry's, you know, uh, Jerry's had some kids and, uh, you know, they're, they're working at, at pro edge and all, all is well. And, um, uh, people are hitting them up. This is as Jerry puts it, people are hitting them up for merch misfits merch and, you know they gave they give out whatever they got because Jerry's just like a gregarious guy. He's not realizing that any of this stuff is worth you know a uh, hundred thousand times whatever it was printed on. You know, uh, to him it's just stuff for the kids, for the kids. Hey, doing it for the kids. You know the fans. You know here, hey, 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 I have the thing. You know because that's just the that's just the generous generous nature of Jerry. And uh, so I guess something again paraphrasing from my mind. This has been a while since I've reviewed this stuff, but Jerry goes over to 49 MacArthur Avenue in Lodi where uh, Mrs. Anzalone used to uh, live. I don't know if the Anzalones are still uh, in charge of that house. They go over to the um, house, uh, Jerry and maybe Doyle is with him, who knows. They go over to the house and talk to Glenn's mom and they're like, hey, we want some skateboards for the kitties, you know, something like that. And uh, or T-shirts or or they call up Glenn, something along those lines. It's one of those things. And Glenn's like, fuck off. And mind you, this is right around the time of. And again, this is my documentary is not going to cover this period, although it's fascinating as well. It's a far more uh, complicated story to tell. Um, and it's probably not. You know, uh, it's just too complicated, so I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Rue says the Anzalone house sold last year. That's very sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, in any case, uh, so 
so they're they you know uh, this is around the time of eighty five. Uh, Caroline, I guess, is st- starting to do deals with Glenn in the Plan Nine catalog. I don't think they've outright bought the catalog, but they or bought the masters, but they're putting stuff out for Glenn. So like Plan Nine is using Caroline as like a distribution network, and uh, Glenn has just put out Legacy of Brutality, which is uh, re- revered by some and hated by others, and controversial to say the least because uh legacy of brutality uh has glenn re-recording the bass and the guitar tracks himself so it's basically legacy of brutality here's a hot here's a hot take for you legacy of brutality is essentially a solo misfits album it's glenn basically covering all the the misfits stuff what's going on russ how are you uh, it's it's Glenn uh, covering all the Misfits uh, tracks. Hey, Mike, what's going up? What's going on, Mike? How you doing, man? Welcome. We're talking about Legacy of Brutality, and uh, you know, Legacy has all this, all these outtakes and stuff. But Glenn re-records, the, you know, over the tracks because he doesn't want to pay royalties. This, of course, would start uh, a, a big war, a, a big brouhaha. Between these once Italian Lodi brothers, and I don't mean Jerry and Doyle. I mean the the, the all of them together. And um, uh, would you know? It's funny. Had Glenn just probably you know given over whatever Jerry had asked for, you know, uh, in probably very friendly Jerry fashion. Um, none of <laughs> none of this stuff would have happened. Maybe who knows? Maybe we would have gotten a Misfits reunion in the nineties. Um, however unlikely. Um, but of course he didn't. And Jerry Jerry's dad was like, "Where are you, fucking idiot? Like, sue this motherfucker! Like, look at all the money that's being made off of your hard work." And you know that began a, a, a lawsuits that lasted for years and years and years. As we know, it ends with the settlement. Glenn. I think Glenn got the better deal, to be honest with you. I mean, all Jerry wanted was to write and perform under the name, which I guess is is valuable in and of itself. But the I think the gold is the publishing, man. The publishing and the ownership of those songs. Holy crap. What a catalog to own. And so Glenn got the publishing, and Jerry and Doyle got the, the, the rights to the name and the rights to perform. I believe Glenn had those rights, too. There were a couple other cats who had those rights. I think Fran- Frank uh, Licata, Franche Coma had those rights. I think a few other people had those rights, and Jerry bought the rights from them, bought them out of their rights to sort of consolidate his interests in performing as the Misfits, uh, with the last party actually being Doyle. Doyle had equal right to perform as the Misfits. Like, if Do- if Jerry had just put, put down the bass and... Doyle wanted to just go out by himself as the Misfits. I guess he legally has the right to do so. Do not quote me on that. I'm not sure, but I believe that is the case. In any case, um, so so they're looking for the stuff. I'm I'm getting really sidetracked. The point is, is that uh, Glenn, uh, Jerry, and Doyle decide to get back into music, and it's during this time that they're also doing a they're 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 doing this. I mean, th- this is my feeling on it again i'm not saying that this is there they probably were were out there to you know be a functioning band and record and stuff but in my mind so i like to think of what uh doyle and jerry did next musically as sort of like a 
it was a guitar refining band. No, that's the wrong word. It was like a, it was like a, what do you call it? Like an incubator? It was like a think tank. It was like a, it was, it was essentially a, 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 a practice run of what they would end up doing with the Misfits name. You know, it was like, uh, it was like, um, God, what is the word I'm thinking of? You know what I'm talking about when you, uh, like a workshop, it's like they were workshopping their guitars with this band. They basically, you know, under the tutelage of George Germain, they learned how to make instruments and then, you know, uh, uh, took it to the next level by bringing that into the machine shop and machine shopping their own versions of the knockoff Iceman and Rickenbacker. They were like, forget forget these templates that we already had. Let's make our own original designs. And, of course, you've heard the story of how Doyle uh, Doyle had been drawing his design since he was a little kid on the on the on the construction paper that would wrap his textbooks. His mom would wrap his as, as our all of our moms did, or some of our moms did, would wrap the your the uh, the the textbook with the you know what's a who's a was a, sorry I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, and they and they would yeah they made these guitars man they made these there's the annihilator uh, which is. Uh, Doyle's guitar is the Annihilator, and Jerry's guitar is the Devastator. And they they put these, you know, when they were in the Misfits, the uh, Jerry had the habit of, um, he would always uh, uh, fix. It started as a keychain. It was like a skull that hung off the uh, the head of his of his Rickenbacker, the the tuning forks, and then slowly that that skull rescinded upward onto the actual head of the Rickenbacker and uh and then when he when he when he started doing the Devastator bass he put he put um he made like resin molds and he would do like latex versions of the head so I guess they're kind of mushy they're not hard maybe they are different now I don't know but uh he started putting a cyclops a cyclops uh skull on there and I guess that's where they got the name for cyclopean music which was which is Jerry's publishing company, whatever you want to call it, for music. And so, um, and then, you know, the pickups, like, I guess there's no knobs on Jerry's guitar, like on his bass guitar. They just sort of plug, he just plugs in and it's just loud. And I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of the way either one of these guitars sound. I don't like their sounds. I don't like the tones. I never was a fan of the tones that were coming out of the... I like those new Misfit songs are very catchy in a metal-y sort of way, but they're metal songs. They're some A lot of those songs, uh, American Psycho songs, carry over from the the songs that we're talking about right now. This, this guitar and songwriting wor- workshop that was affectionately known as Christ the Conqueror. So Jerry and Doyle formed this band called Christ the Conqueror, and it's a songwriting workshop and a guitar making workshop for for their stuff as they're uh, to keep themselves busy. And they record an album and they get this guy, Jeff Scott DeSoto to um, he's a metal singer from this other band, which name I cannot pronounce to sing on it. And he's not uh, credited. Uh, and there's many re- there, I've heard that he was embarrassed. And I've also heard that uh, he was under contract with his band and he could not sing elsewhere. And so he was just a hired vocalist to come in and do, do the tracks and they there, some of the tracks are. Uh, one track is called um, "March of the uh, Attack of the Megamites." No, "March of the Megamites." Uh, but yeah, a lot of that music got recycled for American Psycho, and um, 
yeah, it just sounds like metal, man. It's just like, you know, those guys were very influenced by Van Halen and that and 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 that album you can hear the metal and so they never really lost that metal that metal edge in the you know in the 90s you know from the 80s they they were they were very they were just very into uh that sort of thing and yeah I'm just not a fan of the tone not a fan of anything in any case uh yeah this this project this Christ and Christ is spelled with a k instead of a c and it has a y they tried to Sort of, um, they saw that Glenn, and I guess that was a direct. It was a direct reaction to what Glenn was doing. Apparently, you know, Glenn is going in the Sam Hain and Danzig direction and getting darker and darker. And these guys are on the flip side. They're like, "We're gonna be the light." Mike Watson says that he has a sealed cassette of "Deliver Us from Evil." That's the name of the band. And um, the drummer on that on that cassette on that album. Uh, hey, what's going on, Russ? Russell Patterson in the house. Russell also says that Soto did a, a short stint with Journey. Uh, I don't know who's Craig brought. I don't know who you mean, Russell. You got to explain, buddy. Um, but fuck, what was I just talking about? They did the album, Deliver Us From Evil. Uh, they, they had a deal. You know, they had a deal. Oh, oh, that's what I wanted to say. The drummer. So it was it was Soto as the on vocals, Jerry and Doyle on guitar and bass. And then the drummer uh, was the Merp. And the Merp was almost the drummer for Walk Among Us and the Misfits. And then he he was all dressed up for a photo shoot and he decided to get married instead. And yes, as Rue says, uh, Jerry, during this time, Jerry went by the name Mo the Great and the, the, you know, in the same template as the, the Fiend Club, they, they had the Doyle Club, the Doyle Fan Club was their fan club and they, cause they had learned from, from what they were doing with the, the misfits, you know what I mean? They like figured it out. Like we have to have, we have to be in touch with our audience, with our base. And so they had all this merch that came out. And, um, yeah, it was just a goofy project and you can, so I have actually seen many, many, many unreleased photos from just a bunch of Christ stuff. And it is, it's very silly. Some outtakes from some photo sessions. So when you see Jerry, those Jerry and Doyle posters or whatever, some of them, uh, if you only see them torso up, if you look torso down, they're actually in like sweatpants. It's really funny. Like green sweatpants, and uh, and yeah, the Merp would go on to play for um, Sardonica, and he would play in uh, some other band, which I won't even name on this podcast because I refuse to acknowledge that existence of that person anymore. Um, and the Merp is a nice guy. I've I've, I've known the Merp in the past. Uh, we've hung out. We jammed one time with Sal. Singing Astro Zombies. There's video that will never see the light of day because it's so embarrassing. Um, and he's the only dude that has a Christ the Conqueror tattoo, uh, which you may have seen on the uh, Lodi Facebook page. Go check it out if you haven't. It's uh, yeah, it's right there on his forum. And I took a picture of it. It blew my mind. I was like, this is the only Christ the Conqueror tattoo in existence. Um, and you know, they almost had record deals and there's stories of how Jerry like famously walked out of like a, walked out of a record deal, record contract. And, you know, um, at, at somewhere, you know, what, uh, Clive something, some record contract, con- bleh, 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 sorry, 
Um, I'm used to I'm not used to broadcasting this late at night. However, I did broadcast last night at the same time. We we I, I do a Family Matters podcast with my friend Jeremy, and you should check it out if you're a fan of Family Matters. We're we're doing deep dives on seasons one through nine. That's what I do. I just do deep dives on friggin' obscure minutia like the misfits. <laughs> The Misfits in Active Period or the second half of Season 2 of Failing Matters. That's fun, though. We came up with some interesting takes. It's interesting to watch that show as an adult, the Family Matters show. But I digress. So this is a very interesting time to speak to Jerry only. You know, and he did a bunch of interviews for the band. The band never actually played any shows, you know. They... um. They, God, I'm trying to remember. Um, Craig says, uh, Russ, you need to come up with, uh, you need to come up and we can go on another epic pilgrimage. Yeah, I'm assuming that's to Lodi. And that, those are, that's, those, that's a fun trip right there to go on an epic pilgrimage uh, to Lodi and see all the spots and places and things. It's a, it's a place of legend and, and, and it's a wonderful town, you know, and I'm sure they're hurting. And, you know, so if you're feeling froggy and, your 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 social distancing and and covering, uh, covering your 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 mouth with a mask and gloves. Go go and support the local Lodi economy. I'm sure they can use it. Um. So, yeah. So they never played out. Christ the Conqueror never really played out. They didn't do any shows. They recorded this album. They spent years working on it, and nothing ever came of it because. What happened at the same time concurrently is that Jerry uh, started to try and get the the Misfits name back. And they just, they were, they got their sights set on it. They didn't want to start all over again, you know. Um, They, they wanted, um, they they wanted uh, the name. And, you know, when you think about it, they started to see, they're starting to see the Misfits become popular. I'll never forget, I think it was, uh, Manny Martinez, when I spoke to him, I asked Manny, I said, Manny, when did you start to realize that the Misfits were getting really big? And the Misfits were already getting really big before they were on Manny's radar. But I think he said sometime in the early 90s, he was walking down the street and he saw some guy wearing a Misfits T-shirt. And just like didn't like finally it registered with him that this thing that he had, you know, essentially started with Glenn and Jerry had ballooned into this whole underground phenomena. And um yeah, what a what a what a trippy thought though. And so, yeah, the Misfits are getting and Jerry and Doyle are obviously more aware of the Misfits getting popular in the late 80s than say Manny Martinez was and they're going, "Well, you know, what the hell, man? Like we need to, you know, we we busted our ass. They did. They worked they worked their asses off for years, you know, and never saw the recognition for it and now they want some of it and Glenn's not interested in it anymore. He's moved on and so they're trying to get the name back and it's just a shame that they couldn't just call themselves the Resurrected, man. Imagine, I bet you the Resurrected would still be going today. Think about it like Joy Division and New Order, you know? It just would have been, it just would have been great, you know? Um, Russell says, Jeff, Craig was my cohort on the Lodi trip where we went to Zing's house in like 97, I think, and did some additional interviewing. Ah, very nice to meet you, Craig. And uh, that's really cool. And yes, I think you guys should go on a on another trip. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, when the all blo- maybe I'll join you. Maybe we'll, when the all blows over, we'll, we'll all go together. We'll do an in the field episode. Wouldn't that be fun? Huh? We'll go to Lodi Pizza. We'll go to the graveyard where there was the flood in 82. We'll walk around, you know, uh, we'll go to Cardi Sugar Bowl. 
Um, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll go to um, God. What's not what's that place? The hot dog place, not Ruts, not Ruts Dogs. Um, Jesus, what's the name of that place? You know the one I'm talking about, the one with the Hanks Franks. Hanks Franks is another great uh, place. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll you we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be a year from now. Who knows? Who knows how long I'll be doing the show for? But if we're if we're if things clear up and and I feel comfortable coming out of my hovel to to go to Lodi, I'll go with you. We'll go, we'll go meet up with Sal B too. We'll we'll get Sal B on the on the trip, and he'll 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 show us around as well. Um, we'll go to the old Kayafa compound and look at the gate and the pool house where the misfits used to practice. Um, okay, so so I, this has all been warm up, by the way, for the interview that I'm going to be reading. And again, this content's really out there. It's not like rare content. It's just that we're we're just dissecting it, man, because it's like. Saturday night and shit's crazy in the world. And I'd rather be talking about the misfits than reading any more news. I don't need any more news today. Apolitical, by the way, I'm not talking about politics. I'm just saying the world is fucked in general. The world was fucked back then. The world is fucked now. Sorry, I'm just very pessimistic. I apologize. I'm going to let's let's get that that garbage talk out of here. We're, we're here to talk about the misfits and Jerry only and Doyle and Glenn and yada, yada, yada. In any case, um. So this is an interesting period to talk to Jerry only because Jerry only is like, you know, he's not trying. There's no like revisionist history. There's no like, you know, he his his viewpoint is different than it would be in the 90s and, and later on. And, you know, that's not to say that his viewpoint later on is not invalid. It's just that it's different. And it's just interesting. Um, this is like the part of like, you know, historical research, you know, when doing like research on a topic or a thing from a long time ago where like you know it's just really or you know i guess maybe even if you're researching for a book it's like these are the 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 documents and opinions and 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 pieces to pour over because they're going to be the most unbiased sources uh for you know getting a well-rounded look at the picture and in this case what does uh what does um Jerry think in the year uh, in winter spring of 1990. Uh, so at some point they switched drummers. They got a new drummer uh, for Christ the Conqueror. And um, that basically evolved into the, 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 the resurrected 995 new fits with uh, when they added Michael Graves, um, whose name was supposed to be Mike Stand, or Jerry wanted his name to be Mike Stand. And I believe it was either, what's his face, Green Man uh, type, Peter Steele, or it was uh, Jim the Tank Dorsey, a.k.a. Jonathan Grimm, who came up with the name Michael Graves, which sounds a lot better than Mike Stand. Sorry, Jerry, only. Coming from a guy who's like, call me Jerry, only Jerry. I'll call you Jerry only. Or Doyle. <laughs> Doyle. Doyle's name actually used to be PC Doyle. Paul Kayafa Doyle. And then it got shorted to it got shortened to just Doyle, and then Doyle turned into Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. Now I don't know if that was in for the ninety five hits. I think he was still just Doyle. Sorry, my nose is really itchy. Um I think he was still just Doyle. What is going on? Uh, I, I think he was still just Doyle uh, for Christ the Conqueror. In any case, 
They win the lawsuit. They they get the name back, and Christ the Conqueror goes up on a shelf. As a matter of fact, it gets buried. No one ever wants to talk about uh, Christ the Conqueror ever again. Russ says Mike Ruffone. Is that is that for real, Russ, or is that just are you just making a joke, or is that actually uh, that was actually the thing? Maybe you would know better than me. Mike Watson says uh, American Psycho would have been a good name. Famous Monsters would have been a great. Oh, Mike, I agree with you fully. Famous Monsters would have been a, a great name. Not, I'm not a. I don't know how I feel about the American Psycho, but Famous Monsters. Boom, there's your name, and everybody knows that that's really just the extension of the original Misfits band. Um, they could have avoided so much backlash. They would have uh, so much more musical legitimacy to what they were doing. And most of all, they would never they would still be compared to the Misfits, but they would never I don't think you would ever compare Mike Michael Graves to Glenn Danzig. I just don't think you would as often. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it is. Yeah, it was Tank. Tank who Tank told told that to me too, and I think it was Tank who who coined it. it was not Peter Steele. Peter Steele was the guy who went to Jerry because Peter Steele was um, was almost gonna sing for the band, and he was like, "You should have this guy sing." He because Mike was teaching Peter Steele the songs, and he's like, "That Mike uh, Peter Steele just goes, this guy knows the songs better than me," and although. Apparently, I guess um, if you listen to some of those live recordings, uh, uh, Michael Graves does not is guess doing a lot of guesswork on some of those vocals. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been an issue. They were going to call themselves them. Um, There's so many names they could have choose from. I, I I just it, it just kills me that that it came back as it just shouldn't have been the Misfits. It shouldn't have. I you know I've tried I've kept my mouth shut over the years because you know I'm been in touch with some of those new misfit guys and I just had a respect to them but now that I don't talk to one of them and haven't spoken to the other one many 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 years and probably doesn't even remember who I am at this point I don't really care anymore um but back then I kind of did especially when I thought I was going to get an interview from the other guy uh, I did interview Michael Graves for this documentary he did not know who the misfits were but uh, back then, back then, he had heard of Danzig, but he hadn't heard of the Misfits. But it still was interesting to get him on camera talking about the original 77 to 83 Misfits. So I got about a half hour of him. I don't know what I'll do with it. Uh, but it definitely will go in the documentary somewhere, uh, which was uh, uh, to settle, settle a debt. Um, so that brings us to this interview. So... It's the pit number three, page twenty-seven to thirty, winter of spring of nineteen eighty-nine. An interview with Jerry Only. Look who's back by Brian Davis. And uh, special shout out to Misfits Central for calling this material. Uh, let's give it a read, shall we? Okay. Uh, in nineteen eighty-three. Uh, what does that say? Went. Went he now this is not written right. In nineteen eighty three, when he now when the now when the now that's what it's oh sorry, the T is okay, got it. In nineteen eighty three, when the now legendary misfits disbanded, so they were legendary in nineteen eighty nine. So this is like six years after. The legendary misfits disbanded and Glenn Danzig went on to Sam Hain, then solo, 
but not really solo because Danzig is a was a band was an actual band then. Um, many fans were left to guess the fate of the other members. Almost six years later, a plot beyond Plan Nine is soon to be set in motion. Jerry only and Doyle, the rhythm machine of the misfits. Um, introduced their new band, Christ the Conqueror. Now, as as Russell said earlier, um, Jerry Only was not going by Jerry Only. He uh, his nickname, I guess, for close personal friends was always Mo. I believe, and so he went by the name Mo the Great. So Mo the Great is actually Jerry Only uh, during Christ the Conqueror, and they dressed in ridiculous garb. They wore these face masks and they had these knuckle sort of glove with spikes coming off of them and capes and all sorts of ridiculous uh, stuff. Um, And, you know, it's funny. Doyle still just had the devil lock. Doyle has always been Doyle from the age of 16 to how was he now? 56, maybe from the age of 16 to 56 for 50 years. Doyle, no, for 40 years. Sorry, my math is terrible. Yeah, for 40 years. For 40 years since 1980, Doyle has been Doyle through thick and thin. Um, The plot thickens as the Doyle fan club seeks domination with a renewed gathering of members since the Fiend Club days. I had an opportunity to speak with Jerry, whom also goes by the nickname Mo, about these recent developments and old goals. The interview was conducted via mail since time doesn't seem to move fast enough for Mo. I can't keep him on the phone. All answers are relevant as of 12 So this was a mail-in interview. Um, Russell says, very barbarian-esque. Yes, that's true. That's what they were going for. It's like Christ the Conqueror. It was like Conan the Barbar... Conan the Barbarian, uh, Christ the Conqueror. Um, this is interesting. So this is a male, ma- a male interview, and this is like coming from again, much like the way that you could call up Glenn in the eighties and just talk to him. Jerry was also very accessible by the phone, all the way up to like mid ninety five, ninety six. It was very easy to get Jerry on the phone, you know. Uh, and you know, Tank talks about like you know just getting a phone call from Jerry while he was at dinner. You know, he's eating dinner and all of a sudden Jerry only calls from me. He's like, this has got to be a joke. This isn't really Jerry only. Um, so, yeah. Uh, back in 83, when the Misfits seemed doomed to disband, did you have a conscious plan to continue under a different name? Uh, Jerry only responds. At first, I planned to join with Dave Vanian after I saw him on tour in England of 1978. What? So what he might be referring to, and again, this is kind of funny because like, this is kind of like what these guys do. Like, you know, they kind of, sometimes when they do interviews, it just feel like it's very like, uh, discombobulated, you know, uh, like I understand what he's referring to. So, um, when he saw him on tour in England in 1978, as first of all, in 79, the Misfits went over, unless did unless unless Jerry went over to England in seventy eight before the Misfits went over in seventy nine. Maybe I'm mistaken, or maybe there's a typo here, and that's supposed to be nineteen seventy nine. But um, they the uh, 
the Misfits went over to do a tour at the dam. They didn't have their contract. There was no contracts. They did it on, on a verbal agreement that was sort of like not serious in any way, shape, or form. They fly over there. Uh, they do two. They do one. In, they do a show and a sound check, and then get booted off the tour. Uh, they claim because they weren't get pay, getting paid. They 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 got, they got a manager. It was a whole situation in 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 England. They were bumming around for a month before they flew back to uh, the states with Joey Image leaving first because he was dope sick. Um. So. But here's the thing. So when Je- when when Bobby was in the band and Jerry was hanging out with, oh, you know what? I just crossed wires. Wow, super embarrassing. Now I'm thinking of Sid Vicious. What the plan with Sid Vicious was to be in Sid Vicious's backing band. He Jerry was hoping on some level that by befriending Sid Vicious, and I heard this from Bobby Steele told me this, and I've heard this elsewhere. That um, they were going to that Sid had wanted them the Misfits to be his backing band, and the like. Literally, the the moment that Jerry hung out with him like once or twice, and the, the second time being the night he died. Um, and there's a whole thing on the page about that. In any case, I guess Jerry Jerry says at first I planned to join with Dave Vanian after I saw him on tour in England in 1970. I'm going to say 79, not 78. This was uh, this was in the far future, but in 1987, when we first started Christ the Conqueror, he was the first person I called, although he wanted a spookier sound, so we weren't changing, and neither was he. So Jerry claims he called Dave Vanian, and he would he would repeatedly persist and try and recruit Dave Vanian to sing for the New Misfits, like a ton of times, and Dave Vanian would always decline. Um, but he claims, so here he's claiming in in 87, Vanian was the first to be called and he wanted a spookier sound and they weren't changing and neither would he. So they split. Uh, the interviewer asks, Brian David Davis asks, what spawned the horror rock appearance that you faithfully uh, upheld in your music career? Jerry only says, since I was young, I was always into dinosaurs and monsters. So I seem to think along those lines naturally. We found the horror image after Bullet because we were unable to be political. It just wasn't us. The horror image worked. Uh, don't you think so? Question mark. Now, I just want to chime in here. While they didn't think they were being political necessarily, they're still writing, you know, they're still maybe not. Po- no, there's not politics, but they're social conscious songs. They're, they're, their songs are socially conscious, even if they come from like a antisocial perspective, you know, like I turned into a Martian or horror business, you know. Um, so while maybe not political, although I guess maybe Violent World could be sort of considered a, a slightly political, um, there's still there's it's still uh, it's elevated. It's elevated beyond the horror thing. The horror thing is on the surface. That's my two cents. Uh, Brian Davis says, uh, when you see fans buying Misfits bootlegs and original pressings for outrageous amounts of money, how does that make you feel? So even back then in 1989, people are paying out the nose. Not like they are paying out the nose now. I mean, now these records go for thousands and thousands of dollars. A trip to uh, a cough cool could fund a trip to Hawaii, you know. Um, but, But even back then, records were going for lots of money. Um, 
so yeah, Mike Watson agrees. Not political, but aware. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to put it, Mike. They're aware. You know, I mean, the song "Bullet" is a kind of a political song. You know, in a little bit, a little way. Uh, maybe even "Who Killed Marilyn." You know, th- from that angle. That's how. That's how they they came at that stuff. Even. You may disagree with this, but even Earth AD is political, man. Earth AD is political. It's the politics of survival. I mean, look at the shit we're dealing with. Sorry, don't mean to get political. Look at the shit we're dealing with right now, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're living in Earth AD. <laughs> um, so Jerry says, it's a shame that our products are mismanaged. The people who are selling this misfit stuff are just taking advantage of our fans. So here's like a legitimate beef, and I think everything he says there is super valid in that, you know, Glenn doesn't want to do anything with the band name and is sort of like doing his own thing. And, you know, the the Jerry's just sitting here going like all our stuff is going for all this money. Why the fuck should we not be profiting off of it? So when you think about it, from a fan's perspective, we're going from a fan's perspective, we're going um fuck this using the misfits for the name for, for American psycho and famous monsters. But from Jerry's perspective, it's like people are bootlegging my shit or our shit. People are, you know, already ripping us off and we're not doing, we're just sitting here working at a machine shop. Like if anybody's going to be using the name and Glenn doesn't want to use the name, then it might as well be us. Let us go out there and put out famous monsters and American psycho. Why the fuck should these fucks be doing it? And you want to know something on that level? I got to tell you, I kind of I I totally friggin get Jerry only. I really do. I get it, man. I totally get it. Do and dude just want it. Dude's like, you know, if everybody if everybody else is going to be making a buck, I should be making a buck too. And on that, you cannot you cannot disagree with that. You could say, "Oh, it's selling out" or "Oh, he doesn't have respect for the band or the band name." But you know, on any level, you see people making money off of your stuff. Even if Glenn wrote the songs, you know, Jerry has a huge stake of ownership in that band. He was there from the beginning, too. And it's just like he was in that band since he was 17 years old. You know, um, I say that's a valid comment and a, a great motivator for the, the lawsuit. Um, how did the Doyle fan club come ab- uh, about and is it similar to the fiend club effort? Uh, Jerry only he's saying this in again. He's saying this in 1988 via via mail. And why would this why would they be going back and forth in the mail unless he just gave him all the questions via mail and they just and he responded in the I don't know mail and interviews. Interesting, interesting idea. I mean, I get it. But interesting. Uh, today, it would just be done over Facebook Live. Um, Jerry only says it's the Fiend Club of the '90s. So this this interview is from '89, early '89. But he's saying it's the Fiend Club of the '90s. Our product is the best it can be, and we're moving it as cheap as we can. I predict that in five years, we will be the biggest fan club of all time. Uh, we plan on a color catalog for 89. The Doyle fan club is going to work entirely through mail order and will carry Iron Maiden, Metallica, Kiss, and of course, Misfits merchandise. So Jerry had, so Jerry was trying to do like a mail order catalog business with like the Misfits and like Christ the Conqueror 
as like, you know, the centerpiece and, you know, probably having befriended Metallica at some point at, on some level, uh, probably thought that he would be able to get Metallica merch too. And he says he predicts that in five years it will be the biggest fan club of all time. I don't know if it's the biggest fan club of all time, but God damn it, the the Misfits Fiend Club came back with a came back with a bang in the '90s, and there were a lot of members. Um, Russell, were you a fan? Were you a um, were you in the Fiend Club in the '90s? And if so, do you remember how big it was? I would imagine it was pretty darn big. Um. So he, that's what he's predicting in, fi- in in five years. In five years, he would be back. He basically would he would have brought the misfits back to life, and this would all be uh, you know under, water under the bridge. But at the time, he's yeah, he's thinking about like yeah, it's going to be a fan club. This is how we're going to make money. So he's and he's thinking about things from like a, a he's thinking about pro- he's calling it product. He's calling it product. He's probably referring to merch, you know, because um, he's seeing bootleg stuff, stuff that's not coming from officially from the band that he's not profiting off of. Um, Brian says, tell me about Christ. How long have you been together? Uh, what's the lineup? Jerry only says, Mo is the bass. Doyle is the guitar. Merp is the drums. Formed August 1987. We didn't have it. So August 1987. So that's four. That's almost four years after the, the final show with the Misfits, roughly. Uh, we didn't have any songs, but we were in business. Interesting. I spoke with Dave Vaney in The Damned in September. Then I called Merp. He is by far what Doyle and I needed to be solid. We are all great friends. Uh, That's what is really important. You see, success is an illusion. Surround yourself with good friends. Um, So also at this time, maybe a little bit earlier, around somewhere in 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 the 80s, Robo is actually living in Vernon as well, I believe. Actually, Vinny, I don't know. Vinny is sometimes on, I see him on the the Facebook page. I don't know if he ever watches these. Vinny is Robo's son. Uh, Vinny, when did your dad, if Vinny's listening, Vinny, when did your dad uh, uh, work at ProEdge? Because he worked at ProEdge even when they were doing Christ the Conqueror, but I don't believe he was involved. Um, but yeah, Ro- Robo, it's f- kind of funny to think that the Earth AD lineup minus Glenn was all sort of just still hanging out in the 80s together uh, after everything that had happened. They tried to get Robo back. Robo left and they got this new guy, Brain Damage, Brian Keats, for one, sh- for two songs from the last show. Now, here's the th- he. Wow. That's like a whole. St- we'll, we're going to dive into that one day. We'll talk about Brian and his point of view and what happened with that. But he got really drunk and he got pulled off the, the kit and Todd Swalla from the Necros finished the set. 18 songs. Uh, Jerry and Doyle aren't even standing for the show. They're just sitting on their amps playing. It's a miserable show. Glenn Nett announces they're going to break up. Um, but they had dates for in. They had dates lined up for Germany. Uh, to support Earth AD. It was going to be their first real, you know, official tour across the pond, you know, not not including the, the disaster in England. And because um, they had, Glenn had cut a deal and they were going to do, the, they, they were putting out Wolf's Blood as the European name for, for Earth AD. I believe it's the same track lineup. I think that just, it's just called Wolf's Blood instead of Earth AD. 
And um, they needed a drummer. And so uh, Glenn picked this guy because he liked his haircut, uh, this guy Brian Keats, who's in a lot of punk bands. He was in a ton of stuff. And he's a seasoned drummer, too. That's what makes it all the crazier, that he was just that he couldn't even cut it for, for one show. He couldn't hear anything, and he was drunk off his ass. Doyle picked him up by his collar and threw him off. Um, but they were trying to get Robo back, man. And I think they even tried to get Googie back. They were trying to get a, a drummer. They could just, the Misfits could never hold on to a drummer. They got Doyle. They got very solid. They had a stable lineup with the three of them, and they just, they, they, they just ate up drummers like crazy. They ate up drummers like Tic Tacs. Um... So, yeah, so the Merp sort of tied them together. Merp is a great drummer. I like Merp a lot. I hope he's doing okay. Merp, I hope you're okay wherever you are, buddy. Um, Brian says, what, what should Misfits fans expect from the new band lyrically and musically? Uh, Mo the Great, a.k.a. Jerry Only says, musically, we're much tighter than we've ever been. Lyrically, we attack what we once were. We believe that evil should be destroyed. It's that simple. So that's the whole thing about this band. Evil should be destroyed. It's that simple. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how strong are the ties between the Misfits image and the overall theme with the new band? Jerry only says Christ is Jerry only on his home planet. He controls the soldiers of light. Wow. The soldiers of light. He has evolved. Uh, from the destructive tendencies of man and has grown into the ultimate warrior. And maybe this is where, like, you know, Jerry's turning into, like, yeah, let's lift weights and work out. You know, I mean, they always lifted weights and work out, but this is where he he got his squeaky clean sort of, like, oh, for the kids, it's for the kids sort of, like, image sort of situation. Is there an agreement in place for a record? I believe Atlantic was interested in signing a contract. So, yeah, so that was the thing. That's the record label I was referring to. They had a record contract at Atlantic and Jerry walked out of the meeting and walked away from the contract. I don't know why. Actually, he, OK, so at this time he, they're working with Atlantic. Jerry says, yeah, I'm working with Atlantic. I believe they can accomplish whatever I want if uh, if I can work with Jason Flom. That's a, a, a Atlantic's A&R man. Uh, we will iron things out and then take things over. The one thing that I want people who are going to take on uh, this project to know is that we are going to go to war, so it won't be nice. Brian says, you mentioned that there was a comic book in the works to accompany the upcoming album. Briefly summarize the storyline, concept, and plot. So I guess there, I don't think there any, anything ever came from that comic, but the, the new Misfits did eventually do a comic book. They were a uh, comic book proof. There was a comic book. There were pages done, but nothing ever came of that either. Um, there was, however, a Sam Hain comic that came in the box set. Um, Jerry, Jerry only says, I mean, everything just seems to be like a get, being against Glenn, fighting Glenn. You know, it's between it's a battle between light and dark. It seems a shame. But in uh, but in the story, war is inevitable. Christ and his men are forced on uh, onto Earth and fight a war over the Earth and the universe. It's strange because the songs were written first. Brian says, outside the band, what other interests take the time uh, out of your day? And, and Doyle's. Uh, Jerry only says, Doyle and I are manufacturers. That's what we do constantly. We see what we want and we go for it. Our band is on album pace. We put 15 songs together in less than a year. That's about right. So, wow. So they put 15 songs together in a year. 
Uh, many bands. So when you think about it, actually, if this is eighty, if this is at the tail end of eighty-eight, and they they started things in eighty-seven, really they put an album together in the year of eighty-eight. That's interesting. So I always thought that Christ had been going on earlier, but I guess not. It started in eighty-seven. Uh, many bands that break away from the underground scene feel they need to justify their efforts as a musical progression. What are your thoughts on the subject of selling out? Is it just a matter of opinion? Uh, Jerry only says we will we will not sell out. We never did and we never will. I write exactly what I want. Always did. Always will. I don't have anything in common with any musician I've ever met. Selling out don't com- uh, selling out don't compute. Um, Brian says, what advice would you give a young underground bands about survival in the alternative music scene? Jerry only says, just don't be a bunch of assholes. I found very few people who wouldn't fuck you over if they had the chance. I guess I'm blessed with Doyle and Merp. We don't have to take anybody's shit. We don't need it. Uh, and then here, of course, the final question, the, 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 something I can't say that French saying. What is it? The piece de l'existence, whatever that is. I sort of tried to cinch it just now. Um, I know you guys are no longer friends with Glenn Danzig, although he spells it Glenn Danzing, to put it mildly. But what do you think of his solo debut? So Glenn had just put out Danzig one because it's eighty eight. You know, Glenn is like poised to you know take over the world with Danzig. You know, or not take it over, but like you know, you know just onslaught with Danzig. Uh, Jerry only says, Danzig has a good band. I think some of the tunes are too slow, but that's just my opinion. I've only listened to the tape twice. I guess I'm just better at telling you what I'm doing. Hmm. So that's the that's the interview, and it just, I don't know, I just think that gives like a very interesting, and there are more of those interviews, especially when you get into the 90s. That's where he really starts, because right now he's trying to push the Christ the Conqueror. But once he like buries Christ the Conqueror and tries to go back to like being the Misfits, that's when he really starts to say interesting things. But I thought that would be, you know, maybe we'll we'll do another one of those on another day and really sort of, you know, uh, read read into uh, what's going on with uh, Jerry.